Welcome to the Further with Founders podcast. In this month's live episode, recorded at the Guinness Enterprise Centre as part of the Ready, Set, Go Further program in November 2023, Further's Dr. Rosalind Beer sits down with Darren O'Reilly, co-founder of Wholesup. So I'd uh, just like to welcome Darren O'Reilly of Wholesup. Um, so thank you for coming today and joining us um, for our five-star chat. Um, so I guess... Just to get started, it's always great to talk about, you know, founders and their journey, but I really kind of want to talk about you, your background before Wholesup and, you know, where, what brought you to that moment where you came up with the concept and the idea? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me in. Um, yeah, it's a good question. So originally I came from a farming background, if you want to go all the way back to the roots, then um, I ended up falling into sport, which I loved, ended up being a professional rugby player for a number of years, uh, ended up playing with Leinster, then moved across to the UK to, to, uh, to the UK to play with Harlequins, and then, like many athletes, end up having to get a real job, as they say. Um, so when that happened, it was a bit of a culture shock, because I would have considered myself very well educated on how to fuel myself for performance and for lifestyle but ultimately like many of us in the room probably will feel I kind of realized that time is a major issue when you join the corporate world. I joined um, a digital transformation business which was great but when you start to join the corporate world a number of years behind your peers you end up working crazy hours trying to catch up and generally my natural um, personality is always wanting to be kind of progressive so I was climbing the ladder pretty quickly but in doing so I lost 20 kilos in weight which wasn't on purpose it's just from skipping breakfast running into the office with a coffee in my in my hand or if I was lucky I might have had a croissant hanging out of mouth and uh, then at lunchtime trying to maximize my uh, lunch hour by going for a long walk or going to the gym and then that's kind of the aha moment of when Wholesup was born but I suppose we'll go through a little bit more of that afterwards. Yeah so do you think that you had kind of entrepreneurial traits was there any influences before this that that kind of did you yeah. did you have a hankering after? Oh definitely so first business we started so I come from a very entrepreneurial family um we would never have really back probably when I was looking at this called myself an entrepreneur or anything like that but uh my my mum was extremely entrepreneurial. She was uh, she was an outsourced. Or she had her own manufacturing business. My dad is extremely entrepreneurial as well. Number of businesses, and then uh, my two brothers. So James, who's my middle brother, he is set up his own business called Noya House, which is over in the U.S. And he's been over there for 15 years, which is a collaborative workspace. Then he moved to another business called Lifetime. Um, and they actually rang the bell on the stock exchange last year, which is pretty cool. An Irish paddy flying the flag over there. And then my eldest brother, uh, Stephen, is uh, he's probably he has multiple restaurants and businesses on the go. Um, one quite close to here, and I'll be biased, it's probably the best chicken shop around, which is Maddock. Um, and then he has his finger in a number of other pies. So there was always um, no pressure. Yeah, was there, there like it's a very highly performing family there. Yeah, there, there, professional rugby players. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's 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 always uh, there's always something there. But like our first business was selling eggs to the local butcher at whatever ten or eleven, I'd say. Um, 
Yeah, that was kind of our first one. There's a Stuart's Inquiry where the ledger is actually on that. Uh, Stephen has that somewhere on my mum, one or the other. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of the first thing. We were always wheeling and dealing, selling things when we were, when we were younger and trying to see what, how to make money and progress things. So do you think, um, were you naturally scanning for opportunity then, do you think, in, in, in that way? Uh, yeah, probably. Like, I never really wanted to work for somebody else, but I needed to learn on other people's time. Um, I wanted to learn from the best people around. So like when I joined the digital transformation business there, one of the US leaders and kind of growing that team and being one of the heads of sales there and then business development and then kind of looking after the, the territory um, across EMEA and stuff like that, which was great and really good learning block of how to manage people, but then also how to scale businesses internationally. And that's one of the main focuses for our own business being wholesome. Mm. Okay, so let's go to Holesup. So you, you see a problem for yourself. Um, you're not a nutritionist specialist. You've obviously got lots no. of experience in sports. So how did you set about developing the product and what, did you, what were your first steps? Yes, yeah, first of all, seeing the pain point. It was a personal need for myself. Um, and then when I looked around the office, a lot of people were doing the exact same thing as I was. Um, and that's where the aha moment came. Looked at the marketplace itself, looked for validation. Uh, we've seen some of our competitors, how the category would begin to mature um, without being saturated. Uh, then started testing some of the products, wasn't overly impressed by them, didn't feel that they were able to provide me what I wanted personally. Um, and then I didn't have the academic background to be able to stand up being credible in the space. So I looked for a co-founder and thankfully I found a great one in Dr. Brian Carson. Um, so he is um, a doctor in performance nutrition and he's now a professor actually. He prefers to be called the professor, um, which is more well, recent. Well, yeah. you earn it. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he earns it, yeah. So he tells us all about it. But uh, So got Brian involved um, and he has been... Uh, outstanding really to be honest just from his skill set we gave him a blank sheet of paper we had a couple of parameters of what we wanted to achieve um, and then we went about it um, so basically just for you guys who don't know what the product is um, Wholesup is a superfood shake that is nutrition complete so basically it's formulated with 13 superfoods all natural um, so no added sugar, no allergen-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, everything like that. Some of the superfoods in there are like organic cherries, beetroot, broccoli, spinach, broccoli. I won't go through all 13 because it's, it's a mouthful. But they all have profound health benefits on the body. So the organic cherries are great for inflammation. Um, the beetroot, unbelievable for blood flow. But additionally, it has um, 31 grams of plant-based protein, so quite high in protein but as well as healthy fats for your omega-3, 6, and 9 through flax seeds, coconut seeds, and sunflower seeds. So it's an all-in-one. Um, this and is actually... Sorry. It actually tastes good. Yeah, well, that's... Because <laughs> I, I have... I had it for breakfast too. Brilliant. So yeah, it's uh, chocolate vanilla and it's it is really delicious and it's really filling. Like yeah. and I've had a lot of them, so I'm not I'm not biased at all. I'm Thank just you. Yeah, it. it's great to hear. So we've actually brought out a travel pack, which is kind of a smaller version, which is actually only launching. We did a soft launch with Lululemon last week in Grafton Street, which is amazing, a nice brand collaboration there. But when bringing Brian into the business, he added credibility, which I personally didn't have. I had a pain point, and I was able to tell the story quite well enough that 
I lost 20 kilos. But after that, uh, we really needed to add the IP. So Brian came in and his team started formulating a product. We started the business at a terrible time, um, just at the start of lockdown. So it was brilliant timing. It was class to get into manufacturing facilities, be able to work hand in hand and sweat it out together. So none of that happened, obviously. <laughs> um, so we were doing this really remotely and eventually we got there. It took an awful lot of iterations. Um, so how long from you know, concept to new, the product development to launch and to, uh, talk to me as well about the cost, like the testing and the cost. You know, yeah. how, what, what was that process? Because it's it's, it's yeah, difficult. It's, yeah, I feel mentally and physically scarred from it. It was a long time. We, um, I'll give you an example. We do blind testing, and like they say, your family and friends are your kindest critics um, or biggest influencers and all that sort of stuff. So first round, I was like, Grant, right, we'll send it to my parents, my brothers, uh, Brian's uh, parents, all that sort of stuff. So we're going through, and we told them we didn't want to see any names or anything like that, so we're going through all the critics, and it's all relatively similar feedback, which we got. And then one person put zero out of 10 for taste. Uh, so I had to kind of flag it in the family WhatsApp, go, who the fuck put the zero out of ten for taste? And mum just put her hand up. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, thankfully, that was iteration one of about fifty, and um, we got there after two, two and a half years of new product development. So almost a whole way through COVID and a little bit onto the other side, okay. which was yeah, it's grueling, but. We are lucky now that we have um, a 45% returning customer base, which is double the industry average, uh, which is great. So we know when somebody purchases a product, we know within 37 days that they're going to purchase a second time. Once they purchase a second time, they're 80% more likely to purchase a third time. That, that cycle goes to 26 days, and then it comes habitual where it's in a habit, and that's where we're, we're playing mm. in at the moment, which is a great Just thing. wanted to talk to so the manufacturing, you know, how did you manage that? And also talked about the, talk to us about the sustainability element, because I know that's a massive part yeah. and component of the business. Yeah, so sustainability is at the core of, core of our business. We've set out early and from the very outset we said we wanted to become a certified B Corp. Um, I am not sure if anybody in the room knows what the B Corp status means, but basically what that does is it uh, balances profit, people and planet um, and they all have to have an equal standing. Um, it's an international accreditation. It comes from the US. If we are to get it and we hope to get it, Hopefully, within the next four to six months, we'll be the eight Irish business to get it, um, and the first one in our space. Uh, so it's a really high level of certification. So we've just done our employee surveys, so everybody gives us a ranking of what we're doing well, what we could be doing better, how we could improve from all of the above that was spoke about, and um, some some brilliant, honest feedback. But then again, we have to go down our supply chain because we we don't own our manufacturing facility because we just don't have the capex to do it. And our, do we think it's the right thing to do for our business right now? In the future, who knows? Um, so we have to survey all our suppliers, and as you can imagine, with thirteen different superfoods and a number of different logistics partners. So. We have two core markets being the UK and Ireland, roughly a 60-40 split, but we ship to about 25 other countries around the world. So 
when we look at the carriers that we use, we have to survey them. We have to look at when we go into the warehouse, how people are being, how everything's being stored, and then again, uh, ensuring that there's fair trade along the along the supply chain as well. Yeah. Okay. So, just talk to me back to that moment of the customer. So you, D to C. Yep. And obviously, we'll talk about the plans, you know, in terms of B two B and kind of retail. But and you mentioned Lululemon there, which is a great brand to connect up with. But how did you get your first sales from that weren't family and friends and yeah. get setting up the e commerce and all that? So yeah, so this is definitely a war story. I can feel like yeah, the so pain. Like, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's like, the second pain point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the scars all over the place. Uh, so like we we talk, we had. Um, a brilliant website we thought we had great imagery we thought the language that we were using was perfect and it was going to resonate right away and our SEO was uh, perfectly on point because we are a digitally native business so we we uh, sell direct to our customers uh, probably 90, 90% of the time we do have some other corporate clients and some high performance sports teams but in general, we're direct consumer. So when we fired up the website and we pushed it live, we're like, "When's this Shopify ring gonna come?" Because if you ever hear it, it's kind of like "ching" uh, when your Shopify account flashes, and it's a noise you'll never get sick of. But it didn't come. <laughs> it was like, and then you hear the ding. Oh yeah, it's great, Hisa. Oh yeah, no, that person that's really nice. And then like this happens happened for a couple of weeks and I was like geez and then you finally get the first random customer who you have no connection with because like we kind of went through all the people and they kind of it's kind of sad you kind of look up like where are they where's this customer coming from because like it's so far and few between at the start it's like wow and then you start looking at analyzing why isn't this taking off the way you want to to where is the problem and how is the problem uh, being able to be solved and then I started looking at how we built out the team. Um, and then thankfully, we brought in um, Daphne, who came in as head of growth. She was uh, with a brain care company called Heights. Um, so Heights, for you guys who may, do not know them, they're a, an uber successful startup uh, based in the UK. Um, and she grew them at the time from 28k a month to 324k a month by the time she left within uh, 24 months. So a really good hire for us. But she basically just ripped apart our website, told us how bad it was, told us how poor the content was. And this is stuff that like, we were sweating on every word we wrote. And we were like, oh my God, this is the most perfect. It lands perfectly. And basically, we had to rebuild all the content strategy, look at all the imagery that we've done. And now that's even to the stage where this is our old kind of wet, our old yeah. packaging that's up. That's now been changed um, because you have to evolve. You've got to realize that if we look at the dots here, there's the Fajaski sequence, which is the sequence of life. But nobody really got that when they're looking at a load of crazy dots on the wording um, along the packaging. So we're being more descript- descriptive. But I think what the key message there is how to find your first customer. You need to be humble enough to realize that your first idea isn't going to be the one that lands. Um, And we were kind of fortunate Daphne wanted to come on and work with us. But then also we started leveraging network a little bit, getting on to um, 
getting free kind of PR as much as possible. Yeah. Which is social media platforms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trying to trying to gift people because our product is a physical product. We can actually gift people to use it and see how and actually get honest feedback. And what I was part of, if you ever ask somebody for to try your product just have a condition in there that you need to get honest feedback because there's no point giving it to somebody and not getting feedback um, and the formulation thankfully was right just the messaging was wrong okay. um, and now we're in a position where we are we'll, we'll probably grow over a thousand percent this over this last 12 months which is pretty cool um, we are growing and have you kind of moved then so just the e-commerce piece yeah. has been important and then what about the retail and distribution so are, have you moved into that yet or are you just yeah, pivoting so, or? so we're we are as a saying so we're we're a digitally native business, so we started off as, as being a direct consumer. We still are that. Um, we've taken on a new hire, which is which is another excellent hire, in my opinion, but brings a lot of maturity to the business, which is a lady called Therese. Uh, she's come in as operations director, um, but she has a wealth of experience, brought a startup in the, in the US from um, 0.25 in, in five years, came back and then led a more institutional Irish business um, as operations director and then went in as a managing director. Um, so a real coup for us getting them in. So okay. their persons come in to look after how we're going to go into retail. So like yourself, as you know, the pains and the difficulties it is. So it's one, a slow sales cycle. Two, it's uh, everybody's a hungry hippo. Everybody wants their pound of flesh and you could end up having no money at the end of it. So we have been extremely um, selective in one way that we have to be careful where we go because yeah. ultimately we could be very busy fools and not making any money. Um, so the most important thing is realizing like the bottom line and the bottom line after all costs, after all promotion, after all staffing is, is critical. And the retail sector is a difficult market. We are entering with the um, travel pouch, as we call them, or, and we'll have an SRP of 15 or a travel box of six, which is exciting, which is, um, which is probably more built for retail, if we're being honest, because yeah. um, okay. of the knowledge we've built up over the last 12 months of the 1.5 kilo pouch. Okay. So let's um, just talk about funding. I want to talk about the obstacles, but I think funding first. So how, you know, you, you spent over two years developing it. Yeah. Then launching a website that didn't actually sell anything. Yes. And then eventually you got some sales. So, yeah. so you know, how are you keeping the lights on? How is the funding? And you have raised, which, you know, congratulations yeah. on, on that because... That, that's a difficult, that's another journey and a very difficult one it yeah. can be. So do you want to talk us through yeah, the funding? Yeah, so I self-funded, I bootstrapped everything up until a point, so all the way through new product development, through that great website that's not so great, uh, which was an expense. It's great now, though. Well, oh, no, it's it, will still be, it, will, it, will, it will be great. We have, we have, we have certain pages that work very well. Um, yeah, that's another story. Everything's evolving. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, it's evolving. Um, yeah, so I self, I kind of bootstrapped it, um, which I'd highly recommend everybody to do because you learn on your own time, you learn on with your own money, and you learn how important investors' money is and how respectful you need to be of it. Um, then I came in here, sitting in here, probably about a year and a half ago, like yourselves, and was chatting to the guys in EI. Um, 
and trying to learn learn the ropes of the of the funding landscape. And it was all new to me. Um, never raised money. Never really been exposed to it. Um, other than institutional fund, funding, which banks and just isn't isn't a possibility, um, because they want three years accounts, which is great. We went back to them recently, which is a different story, which is funny. Um, but thankfully, we at the stage where we actually went looking for money, we had uh, definitely an MVP, a minimum viable product, in the 1.5 kilopages. At that stage, even though the customer base was smaller, we had a 70% return customer base. So we knew we had something which is really strong, which is the main thing that people were looking for. We were able to articulate the category as it evolves, and it still is evolving at the moment, uh, which is great for us. We see tremendous growth, particularly internationally, but also here domestically. And there's a lot of education isn't as much of uh, an issue anymore. It's now kind of um, people are, the consumer is a lot more more educated. So basically what that means is they know what's in the product, they read the back of the label, they want to see the actual physical benefits. Um, and we went out to the market. We knew that EI kind of were, were interested. Um, but and that was on the high potential startup fund, which yeah. is kind of that you know, you raise and then yeah, so they you know, yeah, they so go on the cap table exactly yeah. And so in total, how much did you raise? It was just uh, including my own invest yeah. in my own investment, just over six hundred thousand, yeah. yeah, which was great. Um, so EI came in and we got some really good. Um, some really good angel investors. Um, and what was the plan with that money? And what is the plan with that money? Like, what, where is it going towards? Yeah, the plan with the money. First of all, we wanted to get good angels. Yeah. So there's difference of people who are willing to invest, but there's another thing we're trying to get good angels who have experience, who have knowledge, either from uh, setting up successful startups, either with large scale manufacturing or food and drink. Yeah. And we kind of had a mix of that, uh, which. Literally now, it's it's a dream to work with them because we we speak relatively frequently. Um, some of them more than others because they just more more involved in the business, but extremely supportive. So that's key. Don't like everybody's fighting for money, but it's a hard market. Try to get good good people's money who are willing to come on the journey. And then EI came in. But what we're doing with the money, thankfully, is scaling up the business um, instead of ordering. A, thousand or two thousand units to a couple of thousand now we're kind of looking at the tens and moving in that way so we're we're scaling fast but that the problem with that is um it's capital intensive business the yeah. product business yeah. so when you're doing that you're looking at how can you get that payment back and then your marketing spend um being digital we acquire customers online there's um meta our great platform but they know how to charge you um, and but we have managed to get good assets that work in particularly the UK and in Ireland work very well and okay. that's how we're going to keep going we would like to add um, more people to the team but we are keeping it very lean okay I kind of just want to before we get into kind of now in the future yeah. I'd like to just reflect again just a bit more and we, we were talking earlier about resilience so you know, can you just kind of, and you have you have shared really openly a lot of things with us, but just your the key challenges and obstacles that you had to overcome that really you had to kind of push through. If you kind of look back on the journey, what were those and, and how did you, you know, what kept you going? Yeah, there's, there's, oh, there's loads. Like, um, 
probably during fundraising, there's like like so many setbacks and so many um, like as as great as our our angels are now. We're, we're speaking to a lot of other good people who we thought were class, who are just going to work out perfectly. But circumstances and timing is, is everything. Um, and you don't always get what, you, like, you don't always get across the line with certain people. So you need to be really resilient. You also need to be very patient with, um, for example, with Enterprise Ireland, because they, they run in cycles. And when it comes to committee dates, you need to be aware of that, because that's a timing thing. Uh, there's like, um, yeah, what else was there to be to, oh, like manufacturing issues. Like we had like upteened problems with, um, like it's great when you're growing quickly, but there's also a negative to it as well because you burn through stock. Um, and like, it's like, oh, great, you've run out of stock. It's like, tear your hair out, smash the table. Why are we out of stock? And how can, how can we not get it faster? Um, and that's kind of a position we found ourselves in a few times. And then making bad hires. Uh, I hold my, my hand up, I made a really bad hire, um, came with great pedigree, culturally not, not with it. And that's just unfortunate, and I, that's down to me. And I gotta take that responsibility. And then other things, yeah, just how we spent certain money at times um, that didn't work. Okay. But we're now at a stage where we test quickly fail fast and smaller budget and then move on yeah okay so you just yeah uh just on the on the burning uh you know work-life balance burnout yourself you know the journey the you know like yeah. how, how like how do you manage the stress and you know yeah i i'd, I'd love to be like like completely honest and say i have a perfect work-life balance and that it's like and all be able to switch off and do all that sort of stuff. I'd say my partner would say complete opposite. Um, but it really is important. You need to try get some sort of balance. But at the at the start, you need to be all in. You need to be able to just live live it, breathe it, and understand what's going wrong and decompromise what what's happening, what's what's working, what's not. Um, but stress management is a really difficult thing. It's um, it's a, it's a really challenging thing. It's something that I, I certainly um, I'm continuously trying to work on because, like here, you are at the you, ultimately. I put in X into the business, but everybody else put in a lot more than I did uh, in regards to our investors. So you need to be really respectful of that, and that's something that um, we are uh, always aware of. So, like, we're, even though we're growing, thankfully, month to month. Um, and at a, at, a, at a nice pace, we still need to be very careful how we spend money and how we take yeah. people on and all that sort of stuff. Just, just on that, you know, why do you think investors invest? Did, I mean, did they say to you, like, what was it? Yeah, it was, it was partly product, a lot to do with um, probably their back and me um, yeah. in regards to because it was it's a new product. There's, we're starting from ground zero, so they either had to buy into the vision or myself or the team that we were yeah. that we were developing. I'd say it's a combination of all of it. Um, thankfully, I had a bit of a track record in regards to, um, I worked with a lot of big brands and was able to show how we grew, grew them in new markets or new territories internationally and all that sort of stuff, which was helpful. Um, I was able to explain the category quite well. And then we were also able to build, start showing the headcount that we wanted to bring in. And even like with Daphne, um, we had her as um, as a consultant at start, 
and then one day, two days, three days a week and start building up that way. So there's a little bit of, um, yeah, you just need to build credibility in what you're trying to do. Okay. Um, but also you need to be able to articulate the problem, which, which is yeah. kind of a personal one, then the category as a whole, and then also be able to know your market in regards to the competitors that we are playing in. Um, so one of the leading competitors just released their um, end of year financials and they're just shy of a quarter of a billion uh, US dollars um, and they only started eight to ten years ago. So there's rapid growth, nice opportunity and yeah. investors want to see money come back as well. And, you know, competition is good. That's yeah, great because yeah, you don't need to be the first one to break ground. Yeah. You just need to be able to do it in a different way, in a more compelling way and uh, have a better product even if you're working in the same category. So before we get just onto the future, um, and you've given us quite a lot, but just key nuggets for everyone sitting here, people listening, on their journey, maybe at early stage, you, you a year and a half ago, if you were to sit down and kind of talk to yourself, what, would you, what nuggets of advice would you give? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think having a flexible mindset in regards to where we are now to, or where we started to where we are now, you know, uh, I think if we were more flexible potentially at the start, we may have moved quicker. And I think that comes with a little bit of uh, humility, understanding how quick things change. So even from algorithms online, it's, it all moves, it all changes rapidly. And it's, if, one fail, if one ad, for example, failed three months ago, we could test it today and it might work. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't really have that ability to understand because I was more structured and all that sort of stuff. And then the other big advice would be surround yourself with a team that has a similar ambition but has a way different skill set to you. Mm -hmm. It's pretty obvious, but literally we wouldn't have been able to do what we have now unless we had uh, an amazing uh, co-founder in Brian. Wouldn't be able to do the digital things that we're doing without Daphne. We wouldn't be able to scale the operations and and um, retail space without Trace. And then there's other people who are working in around the back of it. But you need to build a skill set that does not complement or that does complement you that you just don't have. If you're the smartest person in the room when you're looking at something in somebody else's um, wheelhouse within the team, you're probably hired the wrong person. Um, and rather spend a little bit more on getting the skill set and spend a little bit longer than making poor decisions quickly because um, they just recruitment is expensive, timely, and can be detrimental because it'll set you back the time you put in, but then the time to exit the person as well. So, really important to kind of that would be probably one other. And then enjoy it. Like, it's going to be ups and downs, but like, it's, it's like. Of all the jobs I've ever done, I've never enjoyed it more. I've never had so much fun, even though like it's like a roller coaster. It's ups and downs, but predominantly um, you're fixing one problem, moving on to the next, but you're enjoying it at the same time. I remember, was it last Christmas when you got HPSU and it was like, just yeah. got it just before Christmas and it was like, have a great Christmas. Yeah. And I remember it made my Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was, it was class. So a year on. Um, so look, future. You know, um, you're going after that big quarter of a million competitor. <laughs> um, you know, what, what are the plans? So, like, the next 12 months, you know, this time next year, what would you like to be? And what, where would you like Holes Up to be? Yeah, so it's, like, like, our ambition is endless. So, like, we're, like, a highly aggressively 
and buoyant team that want to achieve amazing things. But we also need to like walk and run and all that at the, at the right pace. We will be um, in retail soon, uh, which is exciting. It'll be interesting to see how consumers play with our product on shelf compared to online. We are bringing out um, a new product, which will be very much so a mainstream um, retail product. But then again, we want to, our sales channel at the moment is about 60-40 UK Ireland. Uh, we want to continue to grow both regions pretty pretty aggressively. And then we're opening up a fulfillment center in uh, the Netherlands. So we'll start opening up a European um, arm of the business and go after that. Um, not overly aggressively yeah. because we want to see organically how things go and then there is complexities when you go uh, into European languages from a language from uh, taxation um, labelling and a few other small issues but okay. um, that's the sort of thing and, and the US? The US is the, is the North Star yeah, um, yeah you know, the US is definitely, it's definitely on the radar but probably not for 24 realistically if we can get if we can do the revenue numbers that we uh, are looking to do and continue the sustainable growth that we're on, um, that's certainly that's certainly uh, on the cards. Okay. So no exiting strategy just yet. No, because we want to build the business. Yeah. Like um, as much as people talk about exiting, if we can build the business to the size of the business that we want. We don't have VC money in the business as yet. Um, there's a reason why uh, a lot of businesses in Ireland exit quite quickly yeah. is because they're looking for a, a 10x their, their return usually. Where we're, where we're at is we're looking to bring a return for, to our investors, absolutely. Um, and in an ideal world, if we do a Series A and all that sort of good stuff, we would like to pay back the first people in who came back to us because they're the ones who put in their money at the most high risk time. Yeah. Um, and that was given to advice given to me from somebody recently, and it's really stood with me because it is the riskiest time to invest in a business yeah. when you have less than a thousand customers, less than a hundred customers, and you're very much so out there. Your dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're taking a chance. It's high risk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, just want to open up to questions. Yep. Yeah. Could I just ask you, John, about um, support, not necessarily uh, investment, but at the outset, did you ever think of like approaching further or the business intervention, business innovation centres or this new Frontiers program? Yes, so I was on one of the Futures courses, um, it was, I think it was a race, there you go, I think it was. Sprint, I think. So it was Sprint, Sprint yeah. yeah, sorry, Sprint. It was great, really, really enjoyed it. Um, still in touch with Maja and Roz and Martin all the time. Um, really helpful, really insightful. Um, good. Was that a six month intensive course? No, so the one I was on was uh, two days, but it was more so building uh, what was part of that course was building our kind of business plan almost and how the strategy we are looking at and then when we um, got our so with Enterprise Ireland and Futures they kind of um, they work hand in hand together and then um, we ended up working together for the HPSU um, document submission so it was very much so a collaborative effort the whole way through um, and I'd 
if I could give advice for you guys, it would be leverage this DIP in the building because there's an awful lot of knowledge that's here that probably um, if I was looking back in hindsight, I should have used more of um, and now I'm more open to it. So that's kind of one of those learnings where if I was more flexible and still less rigid, you'd probably, probably move a bit quicker. Okay, anyone else? Yeah. Uh, really feels the right arm, but like, um, no, thanks. Well, thanks. 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 Being a product, yeah, it's you, it's not against you, but it, it's yeah, you know, it depends on the VC, but sometimes it can be a difficult, uh, you know, space to be in. Yeah, and also, like the other thing you got to realize is every time you give away, like some people go, oh, equity is blood, and it is to an extent, but do you want to grow and have ten or five percent of a massive business? That's the other play, playoff. So. Not opposed to it. We're just probably not at that at, at that stage yet. Um, but it certainly is something that, as we start to continue to grow and expand, it more than likely is something that we'll, we'll need to be doing to give us that acceleration that we need, just because of the, the intensity of the the cash flow <laughs> is. Um, to the angels, how do we select them? So working your network, we approached a lot of high network individuals who we felt would resonate with what we have as a product and where we wanted to go with it. Um, it's not easy. Um, I was at, a, at something yesterday and now is probably the most difficult time in history to, to raise capital because of all sorts of different issues with the war in Ukraine and everything else that's going on with the recession that we're in and everything else. So we're all brave doing what we're doing, basically. Um, so if you have a luxury of being able to select good good angels, spend a bit of time. Um, and I think it is ultimately a luxury if you're lucky enough to be able to get the right ones. But it is okay to say no. Now, if we had a we had a, we had a situation with um, with a, with I may as well just be totally honest. We had a situation with 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 a, with an angel who almost dera derailed part of our round um, for 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 a couple of reasons, and it just wasn't appropriate for um, for them to, to to join. And it was really difficult because every every cent matters. So when when you're doing the when we were in the middle of raising, it was a really really hard thing to walk away from it. But you also have to think about not just the here and now. Um, you're going to be working with this person for you'd hope a number a number of years, so that you you need to they need to have trust in you, and you need to have trust in them. So as, uh, as John Feeden says, uh, plan for the divorce. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. need to. Um, you know it's important, and you and you need to work with good people. And I and to be honest, so many clients have similar stories. So I think just it is a relationship, and you want to. It's a both way street, and you want to make sure that there's clarity and and what they have. But yeah, exactly. Good question. Um, anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, John. Did you consider crowdfunding at any stage? Yeah, we did consider crowdfunding. Um, I know a good few people who've done it. I've heard. Uh, 
positive and mixed mix, mix reviews. I think it's really good for a marketing as, um, play. I wouldn't, yeah, I would. I, for just from what I don't have any direct experience from what I've been told is if you join a, either there's a, there's a number of them, uh, Cedars, Craig Cube, um, yeah, they're all awesome. They're, they could be brilliant if you join and you have maybe 90% of your, your capital already committed and then you burst through in the first couple of days because then you get bumped up along the way. That's definitely something to look at. But um, it, the pros and cons, so I think it can be tricky on your cap table as well after a while. But yeah. it's, it's definitely an option at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, final questions? Sorry, John, just well done in such a short, a short space of time. It's a huge achievement. Oh, thank you. Appreciate mm. it. Just a question in relation to you know, the bad power that you mentioned, um, and maybe any advice you could offer in terms of not making that the same mistake again, <coughs> and in terms of building a team around, yeah. you know, with complementary skills as I've already mentioned, what anything you could offer in that? Yeah, first of all, cult culture is everything. Even in a small team, people think about culture and being in larger organizations. Uh, it's absolutely critical that people are bought into the same vision as you are, um, unless they have um, an ambitious and open and curious mindset, it's, they can be a negative inf influence on a small team. And probably more of a negative influence than a small team. People in larger organizations can, can hide away, squirrel away, probably, and fester. What we, what I personally did, um, made the mistake in with this particular hire, I didn't consider potentially not having the startup experience because startups aren't uh, a, a corporate box where you kind of be able to plug and play and you have all the files in exactly the same places where you want them and all the processes and procedures. So hindsight, what I would do or what I do do now is ensure that they, they potentially have startup experience ensure that they're going to be a cultural fit so I don't just interview them usually one or two other people in the team interview to ensure that everybody sees that they're a right fit and then also leading by example with standards so um, standards ultimately culture is, is a team collective thing but if you kind of try to set the correct behavioral patterns to trying to even when things go wrong, not to show as much frustration, even though it's really difficult because it's a small team and everybody knows that it did go well, or whatever the case is. But when things do go well, amp the team up and work on it together. Um, it's it's hard. It's it's um, it's a hard thing to do because at at, at a smaller business scale, everything's an emotional decision. So like I remember like sweating on. Um, we had um, a circle print on our, on our on our old packaging about compost, compostable side of it and stuff like that. And I sweated about two days on the wording of that. And I thought two days before things go to production. So like it's really hard not to sweat the small stuff. But uh, ultimately, trying to there's a great book actually on culture. Um, it is the All Black Sweep the Sheds. I'm sure if you've read it or not, that's a pretty good one. There's some really good business to sporting analogies in that. Um, which you can kind of use some guiding principles around teamwork and how to get people self-motivated. The other thing is try not to micromanage, even though it's your baby and it's your business. 
if you don't give people the responsibility to run that division or that team, they're just not going to do it. Um, if they feel like they don't, they aren't empowered to sign something off or run with something or test something. Like a good example, Daphne sent me a report today of last week's um, ad assets and campaigns. I didn't see any of them for last week or for the last couple of weeks, but like she has full autonomy to run with that. At the start, I would have been like looking at the text, looking at the imagery, looking at the video, trying to give my two cents. Doesn't work. You, you hire good people, you let them run with it, you give them the confidence, and it's almost like trying to fuel the fire for them because if they buy into the longer term vision, they're going to be really uh, bought in, and you won't need to you won't need to recruit again because they see the picture and they're going to want to come on the journey with you. Okay. It's Wonderful. also easier said than done because you're working <laughs> with smaller budgets as well. <laughs> it is. Uh, I think um, actually there's a great quote in strategy that says uh, strategy eats uh, sorry culture eats strategy for breakfast, and I think I think you've kind of really given <laughs> given us that insight. Yeah. And, uh, um, but the important thing is don't skip breakfast and eat so have you also. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think just just to finish off though, do you think your sporting background and um, the discipline, you know, the work ethic, and do you think that that's add, had added to you? Uh, de- definitely, it definitely helps. Because I, I think probably the work ethic it comes from both my parents. Yeah. Like they're always working, always ambitious, always getting us to do like who's... Yeah. I even see, it's quite funny, I see my eldest brother Stephen with the kids, uh, anything they want, they ought to read a number of books and they can get whatever they're looking yeah. for or do a certain amount of tasks. And it's a good habit to get into. But yes, I think sporting background definitely help. They're transferable skill sets, teamwork, motivation, uh, setbacks, a lot of setbacks, um, and being self, self-motivated, all that sort of stuff are easy transferred into the business arena. But yeah, I learned an awful lot of really good people along the way. There's a guy called Kevin Gordon who gave me my first um, opportunity. He was the MD at the business at the time. Outstanding Scottish guy, fiery guy, but brilliant tactician and knew how to get people going. And then you look at other influences from coaches and different people who you learn from. It's um, You learn different things from everybody. And I think that's probably one of the big things is stay curious if you, if you want to keep evolving. Um, yeah, you got to stay curious and want to learn. Super. That's the growth mindset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for being here today yeah, and I think no sharing your story. It's been really insightful. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Further with Founders. To find out more about the game-changing supports Further offers entrepreneurs, go to www.further.ie. That's www.further.ie.